Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And good Thursday afternoon to everybody. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Thursday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us wherever you're listening, whether it be online or one of our Super Talk radio stations. We're glad you've tuned in. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. A great weekend just ahead. A great time to enjoy delicious Dickie's Barbecue. This cooked seven days a week, fresh every day. And uh, you can drive through and pick it up. You can have it delivered to your home, or you can go buy Dickie's now and uh, eat inside their restaurant. But Dickie's is open and ready to serve you. Dickie's Barbecue, great food, seven days a week, uh, right here in Hattiesburg and in a community near you. All right, Kelly uh, Sanders is going to be joining us a little later in the show. Also, Catherine Maloney from dbat baseball she'll be on the show a little later as well but it's thursday that's our day to go to patrick mcgee the professor from the biloxi sun herald and uh patrick uh lots to talk about today and and the first is uh you you kind of broke this last week when you wrote about this uh idea of a merger between uh the sun belt and conference usa and since we've talked to you last uh some scuttlebutt out there that some of the ad's are openly talking about this a bit what can you tell us about it I think I'll say I broke it like four years ago, not last week. Right, right. That's <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, you I, did. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, this is something that's been kind of discussed behind the scenes, but obviously it, it sounds like the COVID-19 pandemic is uh, pushing uh, some ADs closer uh, to potentially some type of realignment or merger between uh, Conference USA and the Sun Belt. And, uh, yeah, I think it's U- UTEP's AD. Uh, has discussed it, you know, uh, with the local TV station, the Louisiana Lafayette uh, AD discussing it as well. Uh, I mean, you could throw in Middle Tennessee and uh, Chris Macero. He's been an advocate of it in the past. So I think the discussion is kind of growing. And we've seen other papers report about it as well in recent weeks, uh, you know, saying this is a possibility. I, I, it just, you know, from the financial aspect where you see uh, programs cutting sports, uh, we, you know, uh, it's, it's happening. It's going to keep happening. And, and the, it, and to me, it's, it's beneficial to football and all these other sports. And, and to me, it's, it's almost most beneficial to the Olympic sports, uh, you know, to where it will, you know, maybe, you know, allow some savings to where they can keep a, a golf program or a track program or something like that. So I think that's what it comes down to. A lot of the ADs are realizing that this could maybe help their bottom line. Mm-hmm. I, I think the question I would have is, what do they have to lose by by merging, Patrick? No, I mean, like, you know, I, I think a full merger is probably not going to happen because you know a twenty fourteen conference is just too unwieldy and big. Uh, so, I, my favorite term in this is realignment or dissolving the two conferences and allowing three more regional conferences. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think. It's it, it's a comp. It's always super complicated when something like this happens. Uh, so that's the main thing standing in the way. 
uh, in the past. You know, TV money kind of had uh, a big role in this. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I remember back whenever the Mountain West and Conference USA were talking about essentially merging, uh, the, the, the holdup was NCAA tournament money and how that was uh, divvied up. Like back then, you know, Conference USA was pulling in a lot of money from the NCAA tournament uh, because of teams like Memphis. I mean, Memphis went all the way to the national title game. Uh, so, you know, with each win in the NC2A tournament, your conference gets more money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in recent years, Conference USA has had a team, you know, win a game aside from this past tournament. So I, I don't think it has as much of a holdup in this scenario, say, where CUSA and the Sun Belt get together uh, to where either could maybe uh, hurt themselves financially I, I just don't think that's as much of an issue because I think in the long run they understand the financial benefit is there. So uh, there's a lot lot to iron out in this. So it's, it's not going to be easy. So that's the main thing is it's just a hard thing to do. All right. Luke Johnson, you're in favor of the realignment, are you not? I uh, I am in the 50-50 range now, and that's I've come a long way because I was the dragging, kicking, and screaming, never, never, you know. I I feel like Patrick, don't you feel this way? Once the this realignment is going to take place with the separation of the Power Five in football, I just think now because of the COVID issues, I think that the the Power Five, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but in the next couple of years, they're just going to look at the NCAA and say, "Hey, guys, we don't need you in football anymore." Yeah, I mean that's that's I I don't I see this as separate of that. You know, I, I think it's not going to change the position of any of the member schools in the Sun Belt or Conference USA. Um, now, yeah, I mean, what's going to be the separating factor here is that, you know, say this year goes by, uh, the Power Five schools play games in uh, almost empty stadiums. They're still going to survive for the most part because of TV money. Uh, now, the uh, group of five schools, uh, they don't have that TV money that will allow them to get through this year unscathed. Uh, that's, right. that's, that, so, yeah, that's where the separating deal comes from. Now, now the hope, you know, the idea is that that's only temporary. This is only a hopefully a year where this really impacts. In other words, the, uh, by next year, you know, uh, ideally a lot of these schools will be able to get 20,000-plus people in their stadiums. Uh, so hopefully – this is something that will be painful for a year, and by the time we get through next year, there's somewhere in the neighborhood uh, in, the, in the terms of ticket revenue. Right. I, I got us off track just a little bit, but let me, let me go back to the possible realignment. I don't think that you're going to be – I think dream, dream case scenario is where you get the best programs from each schools and merge them. I don't think that's going to happen simply because when you have uh, programs like UTEP leading the charge, they're making sure – that when there's an alignment, they're going to be in on it. So are we looking at a, a super conference with 24 members with uh, two 12-team regions, like sub-conferences? You even talked about possibly uh, you know, three eight-team uh, program uh, you know, divisions, and, and Southern Miss would, would obviously with South Alabama and, and Louisiana Tech and some of those. Is, is that the way you think it's going to end up? Yeah, it would be super tough to kind of divvy up those conferences, especially when you get into the Louisiana schools and the Texas schools. Uh, do those, does Louisiana Tech go with Southern Miss or do they go with North Texas and Texas San Antonio? Uh, that could be a complicating factor. 
the same with a, a Troy. Do they go with the Georgia Southern or the Florida schools? You know, they're on the east side right now in the Sun Belt. And you would think they would be more paired with a, a South Alabama, UAB, and a Southern Miss. So it, it's, it's complicated from that uh, point of view. Uh, h- how do you remedy that? So it's, it's, it could go a lot of different directions, but, it, you know, we have to admit that the most likely scenario is that both Conference USA and Sunbelt exist. They just go forward with different memberships. And you have a 14-team, you know, conference, a 10-team team conference, something like that. But basically, they just do some reshuffling between the two conferences to where it's pretty much status quo in a way for them financially, but they just have different members. And uh, in the process, you know, there's not a whole lot of TV money to worry about. You probably end up with similar TV contracts at the end of the day. And wouldn't one of the things they would look for, I would think, if they realigned, would be to get schools more strategically located to one another to cut down on the enormous travel cost? Right, yeah. I mean, it, it, the 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 schools that Southern Miss would absolutely have to be tied to in this are South Alabama and Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, you know, the, you it, it, to me that has to happen. And Troy, I'm sure, would like to be in that group as well if South Alabama's in it. So, uh, yeah, it's it, the goal would be to have basically an East and a West. Uh, whether that becomes two 12-team conferences or a 14 and a 10-team conference. Uh, it could go either way there, uh, you know. I, I, but I think smaller is better at this point, and two 12-team conferences would be preferable. But it may be almost impossible to do because, say, a Troy doesn't want to be separated from the South Alabama. I'm sure getting my hopes up, Patrick. Am I going to be disappointed in the end? Uh, well, what, you know, which conference USA's track record up to this point, Bob? You, you, you know, what what do you think the uh, answer to that question is? <laughs> Well, what we found out last week was that UTEP has the greatest social media presence. So yeah, maybe is that we not should all crazy? just become minors. And uh, when we come back in the second, uh, in the next break, after the break, we're going to, speaking of Conference USA, talk to Patrick about the confusing information that the conference has recently released regarding their bowl tie-ins in 2020. Every day is a new adventure in Conference USA, and uh, we're going to have the adventure of what are actually bowl tie-ins and what or not, uh, Patrick, that's why we have Patrick on the show. The professor's going to sort all that confusion out on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. To the Eagle Hour. Welcome back. Glad you're with us this afternoon. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Our good friends down on Hardy Street have a great selection of summer Southern Miss apparel for every member of your family. Stuff for your cars, stuff for your home. 
They're open. They'll welcome you back in the store on Hardy Street. If you prefer to continue to shop online, simply go to campusbookmart.net. Talking to Patrick McGee for the Biloxi Sun-Herald. A little confusion uh, today about the bowl tie-ins for Conference USA. Patrick, no truth to the rumor that that Luke has started that they're going to have pod play the last three weeks of the season to determine what bowl game you go to, right? Uh, that, uh, that gives me a migraine just thinking about that possibility. That that would, you know. Uh, but don't yeah, count it I, out. It still may happen. Yeah, and like we kind of talked in the break, it it looks like the bowl line. I mean, Conference USA is going to have like a couple of tie-ins each year, whether it's the New Orleans Bowl or the Bahamas Bowl, the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, I think there's maybe it looks like maybe Mobile uh, is becoming a more likely destination. Uh, for Conference USA teams. But mainly it's going to be, once they get to that point of the year, it's going to be Conference USA and ESPN kind of hashing out uh, how they get seven teams in each year. And that's going to be a, a whole, a whole uh, they list 11 bowls outside of the tie-ins that they have. So uh, it, fortunate, fortunate for Conference USA, most of those games are regional outside of maybe the, the Fenway Bowl in Boston. So, yeah, it's, you know, the it, Fenway it, Bowl my, in Boston. Yeah, there'd be a my, great my, destination. My, yeah, my bowl projections. <laughs> may, this, last year may be the last season I do bowl projections because it's just going to be impossible to figure out where these teams are headed from now on. So, oh, it's, it's we'll figure it out when we get there. Patrick, do seven conference USA teams need to be in a bowl game every year? No, but they got to fill TV out uh, slots and all that stuff. So, yeah, there's just there's going to continue to be a lot of bowl games unless there's some type of contraction over time, uh, maybe due to the pandemic, maybe they re- revisit some of this stuff after the fact. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think I think we'll, at least for the next couple of years, we'll probably see a similar number of bowl games. Luke, you're for that pod play in football, aren't you, to decide what bowl you go to? I mean, we could be Mavericks, right? We're Mavericks and everything else. Let's do it, you know, and and have it on have it on NFL Network, okay? And have just uh, you know, shoot the bull with Judy at halftime. I mean, that would just that would be incredible. I just be I think it could possibly work. But Patrick, when you when you dig a little deeper in this, you know, it is good, but there's an alternating schedule. So it looks like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like we will continue. The conference will continue to send. Schools to the Bahamas Bowl against a MAC opponent, New Orleans against a Sun Belt. Uh, but some of these are just based off the year. So Independence in 2021 and 2025. Hawaii's back for 2020, 2022, and 2024. And then there's just all kinds of possible landing places. You got uh, the Lockheed Armed Forces in Fort Worth, uh, Birmingham, Boca Raton, Camellia Bowl in Montgomery. Uh, Cure Bowl, you talked about Fenway. So it, it, there are some bowl games that are locked in, but it depends on the year that you're speaking about. Yeah, and the p- main part I'm a little confused about is before they list those 11 bowl games, it says the conference's remaining guaranteed selections in cycle, in parentheses, is either four or five per season will include the Lending Cree Bowl, which is now the Mobile Bowl, in the following game, in this 11 game. So I, I guess maybe it's saying, oh, now I understand. The Mobile Bowl has never been an ESPN-owned bowl, so yep. that's why they're kind of separate there. But so, in other words, they've got some type of tie-in with the Mobile Bowl now. It, it might be a secondary tie-in. That's why they maybe didn't throw them in with say New Orleans and uh, the Bahamas. So that's kind of just getting a grasp. But now I think that's what I'm I missed out on. 
But, you know, I would think Mobile would be a good destination. You know, if Southern Miss can't go to New Orleans, maybe they're just in Mobile, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would be, I think a lot of Southern Miss fans like the idea of Mobile coming online, especially in a, a much better stadium on the South Alabama campus. Interesting. So you've you've basically got yeah. So that that, that makes sense now too as we we talk about it out loud. Somebody's going to the Bahamas. Somebody's going to New Orleans. This coming year, somebody's going to Hawaii. And then you've whether or not how they work out. Four would give you seven bowl teams, and then a secondary agreement. If you had five, that's why it says four or five will give you eight bowl teams. So that that makes perfect sense. So next year, somebody will be in Hawaii, somebody will be in the Bahamas, somebody will be in New Orleans. Bob, we won't be in Hawaii or the Bahamas of it, uh, or Shreveport. We're not going back to Shreveport, especially if it's going to be winter and five degrees. That was a great trip, wasn't it, Patrick? You were there. I remember that. You. You enjoy that trip to Shreveport during Christmas two years ago? Well, the best part of it was that walk-ons, just uh, as we were sitting in the press box, after each quarter, they put more food in front of you. That was good. And that was that was the one, the best part. And it was an absolutely terrible football game. Uh, just all around, I mean, most Southerners fans who made that trip are thinking, I don't want to come back here anymore because uh, <laughs> for a whole lot of reasons. And because it was <laughs> cold. Exactly right. And we don't want to play Florida State, you know. Never again. Uh, yeah, I mean, that we were all kind of going to the game. It was like, well, you know, coach, you know, is gone. Uh, they don't want to be here. Players weren't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, were, were deciding not to play. Then, they, you know, they lined up. And then Cam Akers kind of, uh, you know, you know, it was just a bad, yeah. bad scenario all the way around. It was just a bad deal. No question. I was down in the tunnel before that game, and I just happened to be standing right where the Florida State players were coming out to warm up and – just as I got there, uh, all their offensive linemen and defensive yeah. linemen came out of the locker room to warm up, and right then I knew pretty much the game was over, Patrick. It uh, <laughs> it kind of looked like an NFL team walking out on the field. And that's that's what separates the Florida States and the you know and the uh, Clemson's and, and programs like that. I still don't know how Florida State isn't consistently winning football games right now because they've just got great linemen on both sides of the ball, and Southern Miss just. At this, you have they just have to play almost perfect games right. uh, to beat teams like that, just because they're so darn good up front. That's right. All right, a couple of minutes left, about four minutes left. Uh, Florida Atlantic announced a return date for their athletes. Uh, talk about that, and then how you think that will affect Southern Miss and other CUSA schools. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was June 8th is, is what they're going. Yeah, it's June 8th. They're going to have players back on campus. I don't think we've seen anything officially out of Conference USA or you know any other members that may have missed something. Uh, but that would indicate uh, around about the same time uh, we'll probably see Southern Miss guys back on campus. Uh, you know, I would maybe if not June 8th and maybe June 15th or something like that. So I would think by mid-June, uh, Southern Miss would have its you know, players back on, back on campus borrowing, borrowing, borrowing uh, something crazy. So, uh, I, I think, you know, by the week I get a little bit more encouraged that we'll see football in early September, uh, you know, just because I think these colleges have to make it happen uh, for the, you know, just from the ticket revenue stamp, just from the revenue standpoint. Uh, you know, as we talked about, there's a separation here between the group of five and the power five, and that's power five will have the big TV money coming in. Uh, if Southern Miss or South Alabama is playing in front of, uh, 10% capacity. That's going to be really difficult to deal with. So, uh, I, you know, right now, pretty much all these programs are full, you know, 
uh, uh, full go. You know, they're trying to make this happen. So mm-hmm. I would think we'll see Southern Miss uh, athletes back on campus at some point in June. Let me throw a scenario out there to both of you guys. Let's say all the schools start coming back. They start getting ready closer and closer to football and players at individual schools start turning up positive for COVID-19. Does that put the brakes on everything again, Patrick, or do they just plow ahead and, and just try to proceed no matter what happens in the fall? That's a problem. Uh, you know, you've heard some ADs kind of discuss this topic, and some are a little bit more, uh, you know, hesitant to kind of move forward, while others are like, you know, we'll, we'll just handle it. You know, we'll just, you know, isolate those guys and do the best we can to move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen how uh, contagious this thing is, and that's hard to do. You know, I know we're not dealing with funeral homes here, but these are still athletes living in the same apartment complex and they're you know and they're in the same meeting rooms and all that so it could be problematic and obviously the big problem here is that not necessarily athletes getting it it's athletes getting it and spreading it to other people uh, uh maybe in the athletic department building or you know if they go visit family it's so a mess it's guys a, it, it's a it's a big dang nightmare uh so yeah there's there is a problem potentially brewing there and, you know, once you're on practice field, I mean, it's going to spread. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's just going to be really, really hard to get get a grip on. All right, Patrick, 30 seconds left. Give Luke some good news about the New Orleans Saints. Oh, God. Uh, Drew Brees is still a quarterback for at least one season. <laughs> and... And Jameis Winston is our backup, Patrick. Yeah, and there was another guy, and I'm totally oh, oh, Jadavian Clowney. They're talking about maybe talking him into signing with the Saints for a year. That would be very good. Wow, that would be yeah, big, wouldn't would, it? Yeah, yeah, that would be a that would be a big deal, and that would I mean they're already pretty good up front on the ends, and that would really really make them good there. All right, Patrick. My wife just texted me, Patrick, and just said, who dat, whoop, whoop, at the sound of Jadavian. Oh, listen to this. It doesn't take much to get you guys going, does it? Well, Patrick, uh, we always enjoy our conversation. It's been fun talking to you today. Uh, Stay safe, brother. We'll look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. All right. Patrick McGee, everybody, the professor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. You know, Luke, one of the last full-time sports writers in Mississippi left is the guy that joins us every Thursday. He is, and he's he's really the only one from any publication that covers Southern Miss. And he does Hint, a great Hattiesburg, job. Hint Hattiesburg, Hint Jackson. Right. And Patrick Never does mind. a great job. We appreciate it. All Patrick contributes to the coverage of USM and, of course, to the Eagle Hour. We appreciate Kelly Sander, too, for some unexplainable reason. We'll have him next. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate Patrick McGee stopping by for those two segments with us. He's been with us since the very beginning of the Eagle Hour and always appreciate his insight and commentary on this program. Thank you for joining us today on the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, it is uh, a Thursday, and it's a great day um, if you haven't done it yet. Four Street Bar and Grill, eleven nine or eight ninety five lunch served every day. 
if you get there and they're quit serving lunch, go tomorrow, okay? Um, because you get a free drink for eight ninety five, and you can actually eat that now inside. So right. uh, catfish what we tomorrow. were catfish. It's Bob's day. Catfish yep. is uh, tomorrow for Friday. So stop by and see our good friends over at Four Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander joins us. And, Kelly, what do you think? Bob and I really think it could take off. We're going to write a, an official letter. wanted to attach your name to it, to, to Judy at Conference USA. When the regular season shuts down the last weekend of November, um, let's not have a Conference USA championship game. Let's have three weeks of pod play and see where the who lands in the bowl games. I think I'd rather I, – I mean, with all due respect, you guys, I think I'd rather have a clear champion. Um, you know, if it was the difference between going to, you know, the Rose Bowl or going to, you know, the Gasparilla Bowl, then then <laughs> that no. might mean something. But but I couldn't. You get a rose at the Rose Bowl. You get a mower at the Gasparilla come Bowl. On, come on, Kelly, Kelly. Come on. But I really couldn't help think as you guys were talking to to Patrick. You know, and again, here goes the old man getting ready to get up on his on his apple crate here, but. There are so many bowl games now, and you guys even talked about it. I mean, there's four guarantees that the Conference USA gets and another two or three placements out of 11 other bowls. I mean, there are so many bowl games now, they can't even fill the spots with teams that are bowl eligible. And, and just to get bowl eligible, all you have to do is win six games. Right. I mean, you know, back in the black and white days, I mean, you, you, you had to – when you your team got to go to a bowl game, it was a true reward for a great season. Right. And now teams are going to bowl games with literally six and six records. Well, correct In- me if I'm wrong, but I think a couple of years ago you, you saw a couple of teams with five wins that got some sort of some sort of deal based on their team GPA or some crazy well, am I right about that, Luke? Didn't that happen? I, I, yeah, so. no, I, I, I remember that there were some five and seven teams. That's ridiculous. Enough six and six teams didn't, you know, there just weren't right. enough teams to fill all the slots. So right. my question is, regardless of where you go, and, and, regard, and with all due respect, even if it's New Orleans or Mobile, does anybody really want to, and I'm speaking generally here, does anybody really enthusiastically want to spend that money to go to a bowl game when your team finishes with six wins? in sometimes crappy conferences. No. And think of this, Kelly. There are a lot of six and six teams that play other six and six teams in bowl games. So if you go into a bowl game at six and six and you lose the bowl game, you you literally were rewarded with a bowl game for having a losing season. And and the payouts on some of these bowl games now are so low that if you take the band, if you take athletic department support personnel, if you take everybody that should be rewarded for that season, you're losing money. Right. Right. You know, so, and in this day and age when all we're talking about is COVID and how all these schools, you know, North Carolina trying to trim $4.9 million from their budget, you know, I, I, it would not surprise me. I'm telling you guys, you might think I'm nuts and that you wouldn't be the first ones, but it wouldn't surprise me if schools at some point that finances became so crucial that they said, thank you for the invitation, but we're not coming. Right, right. Because because money is so tight. Right. You know, just my thought. A couple of other things that I did want to tell you guys as I'm uh, keeping up to date on some other sub-stories in Conference USA. Marshall has announced, we talked yesterday about how one of the Big 12 teams, Iowa State, has gone to a 
season ticket holder premium to where season ticket holders would be the only ones that would be guaranteed a seat at home football games this fall. Marshall has followed suit. Marshall has announced that uh, season ticket holders would be uh, would be guaranteed seats and that if there were any seats left over, then it would be on a first-come, first-served basis. But Marshall now uh, implementing that plan to try to, to make season tickets more of a premium than, than perhaps in the past. And some tragic, very sad news out of uh, UAB, where one of the top recruits in the country, young man by the name of Jamari Smith, who was an incoming freshman out of Montgomery Lee High School, uh, Jamari Smith, a unique athlete where he was coming in to play football, uh, but he was also going to play basketball and led Montgomery Lee High School to a state championship in February just a couple of months ago. Um, he ac- accidentally drowned uh, this past mm. weekend at a, at a lake in North Alabama, this very talented athlete who they thought could even be a three-sport athlete because he was just as gifted on the baseball field. So our hearts go out to UAB if they lose Jamari Smith in a swimming accident. He drowned in a lake in um, in North Alabama last weekend. So a big blow to UAB and losing to that uh, young man and the athletic director. And Coach Bill Clark said today, even though the young man never played a single game in a UAB uniform, he will always be a blazer. So Right. And, you know, if you're not in the news business, which no longer I am, but if, if you're not in the news industry, you probably don't realize how much that happens every summer. A lot of drownings around the country every year. And uh, who, who was the kid that was a great, great player for the Kansas City Chiefs that drowned several years ago uh, trying to save someone that was that was in trouble? Was it Derek Derek Henry? I maybe? think that's right. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. So that's a, that's a terribly tragic story. Yeah, he apparently just became fatigued uh, in this lake and went under, and they, they, you know, found him later, and unfortunately he had he had passed away. With um, mm. and a, a great great athlete. Yeah, I'm sorry to um, hear that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. For so sure. Luke, what'd you find out? Was I right or wrong about the bowl thing? There weren't any last year, but actually in uh, 2015, so the 2015-2016 bowl season, there were actually three five and seven teams that went to a bowl game: huh. Minnesota, Nebraska, and San Jose State. And interesting enough, all three of them won. Is that right? Hmm. Minnesota beat Central Michigan. Uh, Nebraska beat UCLA. San Jose State beat Georgia State. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think five and seven teams should go to bowl games. But here's the thing. Let me throw it back at you. Kelly, I'll just uh, just let you know, Lauren completely agrees with you, okay? Lauren's giving some Eagle Hour commentary back today. Wow. Totally agrees with you. But let me put something on a player front, okay? I'm not one to reward mediocrity, and I am one of the biggest staunch uh, opponents to a participation trophy generation. It's different coming from me because when we lost four or five games, we lost three of those to Power Five schools. You know, I mean, we lost. We were we probably lost to Bama. We probably lost to Nebraska or A and M or Penn State or somebody like that. So when when we were seven and four, because sometimes we played eleven games, we were seven and four. Or when we were, uh, it was one time we were six and five. But that six and five time, we played three games in twelve days. We played four games in a in a row on the road, and for us, we viewed the bowl game as not just our 
not the culmination of just the last month of the season or the last half of the season, but, man, it goes all the way back to spring workouts. So we viewed the bowl game as a reward, and even if our season didn't end up that way, we still felt like we could go for a week and celebrate our accomplishments as a team, even if they weren't the best that we should have been. And I think it's completely different because when I played, it was a different time in the game. Right. No, but, but your point is well taken as far as players are concerned. But I'm just saying from a fan base standpoint, any fan base, it, you know, is is six and six a, a team that you might want to travel halfway across the country to go see play? I'm just suggesting probably not when there's so much, you know, so much fighting for the entertainment dollar nowadays. And I do appreciate Lauren's support. I know you don't want to reward mediocrity, Luke, but obviously her marrying you, she she does appreciate. Uh, she's, in, she's rewarding mediocrity. Oh, oh boy, oh boy. Well. As a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I don't oh, here we go. think there's anything there for you to be able to comment about. Oh, I, I, look, I'm the first one to tell you. I'm the, um, I was in I was in Bassfield yesterday, and a gentleman there was wearing a Houston Texans mask. And uh, I've got a, a, another story about a mask in a second. But but uh, I said, so you're a Texan fan? How are they going to be? He said, Oh, not very good. He said, But I'm really a Steelers fan. I said, Oh, well, I'm a I'm a Bengal fan. We don't want to tangle right here and um and he goes probably just like in the games probably wouldn't be much of a tangle <laughs> he's probably right he's probably right he's probably right hey you know luke makes one really good point 30 seconds left but uh, a, a seven and a, a seven and four or a six and five southern miss team that's playing alabama florida nebraska all those schools Far different football team than a seven and five football team today in Conference USA. Fair to say, I agree. And, and you know, with basketball, how they do the RPI and strength of schedule and all that, you could implement that somehow. Right. I just uh, and and look, I'm all for rewarding the players, but even the players will go. Really, you guys six and six. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they wouldn't. That's say why we need pod play. That's why you know, we pod need pod play. play. I, I'm I'm for that. Maybe we don't know what the last four games of the year are going to be until the week before the game. Oh, yeah, that'll help. Could be interesting. Like Could be interesting. All right, Kelly Sander, uh, head back to Bassfield, and we will catch up with you tomorrow afternoon. All right, guys. Talk Thank to you, then. Kelly Sander. Everybody, the one and only great Kelly J. Sander. All right, when we come back, Catherine Maloney. Manages DBAT Baseball Complex, and uh, Luke and I are going to talk to her about that. Stay with us. One more segment of the Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Last segment on a Thursday brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. Located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Great inventory, great vehicles. Swing by Toyota of Hattiesburg and pick out your next ride. You can also go uh, online to toyotahattiesburg.com and check out all of their inventory, financing options. You can even value your trade-in on toyotahattiesburg.com. And we appreciate Toyota of Hattiesburg and their sponsorship 
of the Eagle Hour. Happy to have on the phone with us now, Catherine Maloney, the general manager for DBAT Hattiesburg. Something upcoming, exciting for everyone in the Pine Belt to know about. Catherine, thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour today. Thank you for having me. So tell us about DBAT. It looks exciting. It sounds exciting. Fill in the blanks for me. What is DBAT? Yes, so DBAT is a baseball and softball academy. Um, we'll be a completely indoor uh, hitting and training facility. It is open for, as I said, baseball and softball. Um, we'll offer lessons. You can also come in as an individual and just rent out a cage if you want to do some hitting. Um, we'll also do some team stuff where teams can come in, uh, maybe on a rainy day or, you know, place people that just don't have a space to go. Um, we'll offer, uh, camps and clinics also. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. We open up next Friday. Oh, wow. That's great. Wait, I was on your Facebook, uh, group or Facebook page a little earlier today and, uh, just looking at it's it's an indoor facility and not just an indoor facility. It is a very very nice indoor facility and tons of places for people to get training uh, in baseball and softball. Yes, um, it's a it's a really large facility. It's sixteen thousand square feet and it is a franchise. So there are almost a hundred bats around the country. This will be only the second one in Mississippi. Um, and it's, it's very professional. It's very clean. It's very organized. Um, and our instructors are going to be very um, professional, and they're going to know what they're, th- they're talking about. So we're super excited about it. Let's talk about some of those instructors because there's some Southern Miss flavor there. Tyler Spring, who transferred in from Mississippi State, big guy, six foot six pitcher. He's going to be helping uh, with some of your pitchers. Tori Dew, who coaches at Jones College and was a standout there and at Southern Miss. I mean, you got some great instructors available to teach kids up. Yeah, we do. Right now, we have eight um, instructors. We've got three full time softball instructors, four guys that are going to do baseball, and then Antoine Gray. He is going to do baseball and softball, and so they will be available giving pitching lessons, hitting lessons, um, even some um, catching and fielding lessons, whatever, you know, and it's open for all ages, so... You've got a big grand opening coming up. You talked about opening up next week. Tell us about that, that grand opening event. Yeah, so next Saturday, June the 6th, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., we're going to be doing a friends and family um, grand opening event. So DBAT is also right next door to a brand-new facility, D1 Training. Um, And so we're partnering with them next Saturday to do a grand opening of both facilities. And on the D1 side, there's going to be some instructors there uh, doing some workouts some free workouts for anyone that wants to come. And then on the DBAT side, we're going to do free hitting and some instruction and have our instructors there to talk and give tours. And so it's just going to be a big um, event for everybody in the community to come in and see what we're all about. Sounds great. And, and you know, this is not just an opportunity people can come in and rent a cage out. You guys do offer memberships also to the community. That's right. Um, we're really a membership-based. Um, 
facility, but you can come in and just as an individual and take a lesson or hit in the cages, whatever you want to do. But we'll offer gold and platinum memberships. And if you're a member, you will get discounts and um, special um, thing. We'll have a pro shop where you can buy gloves and bats and any equipment you might need. And if you're a member, you'll get discounts on that. So a lot of benefits if you are a member of DBAT. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us real quick uh, where you're located and how people can get in touch with you. Yes, we are located where the old Gaddy Town used to be on Hardy Street, so right next to Best Buy and Ollie's. So really, really central, good location for people if you're coming from Columbia, Petal, or if you live here in Hattiesburg. And um, what was your other question? <laughs> how can people get in touch with you? Telephone number. Yes. Telephone number, we have a website, dbathattiesburg.com, and we're also on social media. We're posting a lot on there. So I would suggest following us on Instagram and Facebook, dbathattiesburg.com, and that's where you can find all our info. Awesome. Well, Catherine, we appreciate you coming on the Eagle Hour today. Best of luck uh, going forward. Thanks for employing all those Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Thanks for being on the Eagle Hour today. Thank you so much. All right, guys. That wraps- Bob, I can uh, I can I can take you over there and give you some hitting lessons if you. Well, want you to. told us about your hitting skills earlier this week. Remember that when you worked out with the West yeah. Jones kids last year? Yeah, yeah, I struck out about. Now it was Jones College. Jones College, college oh. athletes. Even worse, right? Oh, yeah. okay. Even worse. Even worse. Catherine, by the way, is a Delta State girl, so she's a fighting okra here in Hattiesburg, and that's always a good thing. All right, that wraps up the show for the day. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, Kelly and Luke and I, and uh, we'll wrap up another week of the Eagle Hour. Until then, thanks for listening, and Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.